For those of you joining us on our live stream broadcast or our television service this morning, could I encourage you please, when here at First Pres we open up the Scriptures together, you do so at home as well. And today we are turning to Exodus chapter 20. And as many of you know, we have been steadily over these last few weeks together, working our way through the Ten Commandments. And today we come to our final study. And in your mind, you may well be asking, Richard, why is this our final study? And we're focusing on the Ninth Commandment. What happened to the Tenth? Well, two weeks ago, when we looked at you shall not steal, we combined that with you shall not covet, because we felt that one very naturally flowed into the other. So two weeks ago, we were on numbers 8 and 10, and so today we come to the Ninth Commandment. And we're beginning at verse 12. God, speaking to the people of Israel, gives to Moses the Ten Commandments. And number five, we read, Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from his holy word. When we began this series, we produced a small bookmark that gives us the traditional wording of the commandments there in terms of the graphic, the semicircle, four on page one, or first five, and then the remainder on the back. And we've also put within the semicircle, and beside it, by way of explanation, the modern application of the commandments. And so if you did not get that on our first Sunday, these are available in the literature racks as you leave this morning, immediately outside the door here uh, of the sanctuary, and again, closer to reception as well. So please uh, pick one of them up as a lasting memento, stick it in your Bible, uh, and as you spend time in Exodus 20 and weeks ahead, when you, in your own uh, prayer time, you can refer to our bookmark there. Back in the middle of August, when we began to explore the Ten Commandments, many of us were at a very different place than we are today. And a very different place because back in the middle of August, some of us as parents and grandparents were looking forward to our wee ones going off to school for the first time. Some of us, of course, had young adults going off to college for the first time. Others that we're aware of were going into their last year in school, whether it be high school or graduating college next summer. And for others of us over the last 10 weeks, some of our family have been married. Others have given birth for the first time. Some of us have moved home. Others of us have been contemplating retirement. Some of us have been on vacation And in the course of any period like 10 weeks, things change. Not only do the impact us as individuals and families, we're now moving towards Thanksgiving in five and a half weeks, Christmas not that far behind, college football seasons in full swing, hunting seasons upon us. And on that first Sunday together, I asked this question, 
What do you hope in terms of your spiritual life will happen over the next ten weeks? And so let me come back to that question again in this, our final study. Spent these weeks together in the Ten Commandments, explaining them, understanding them, exploring them together, seeking to apply them to our lives. And if it was only you and I sitting down, having a conversation, and I was to begin to probe a little in your spiritual walk with the Lord, and asked you, are you closer to Him today than you were ten weeks ago? What would you say? How would you respond? Have you changed spiritually in the last nine or ten weeks? Has your appetite and thirst and hunger for His presence increased? Have you grown in your faith? Or have you found yourself just kind of slipping into neutral and going along? Now, as we embark on our final study, let me remind you of the historical context. God has taken the people of Israel out of bondage and slavery in Egypt. They're heading towards the promised land. And at Mount Sinai, they are encamped. And God goes up the mountain, engages with God, and comes back with Ten Commandments. And God is saying, if you are ever to enjoy life in all of its fullness and awe and wonder, if you are ever to take my hand and walk with me day by day by day, I am giving you these ten commandments so that you will take them, understand them, appreciate who you are becoming, and allow them to shape and fashion and form and mold your life. Because we know what the first Israelites knew as well. That the commandments mold us and define us. In fact, they refine us as well. But it will only happen when we start to apply them into our lives when we start to live them out, when we take these ten moral, spiritual imperatives, apply them to our lives and let them define who we are, shape our character, our values, our spiritual standards. Because when we do, what we discover is this, that God then, as we seek to obey Him and live for Him, He then brings about our highest good and our greatest blessing. Most of you have been with us for these Sundays together, and you will know that there is a significant change after the first four commandments. First four commandments are about our relationship with God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not you take my name in vain. It's that vertical relationship. But the vertical then flows out to the horizontal. And so you have commandments 5 through 10, which talk about shaping, changing our character, which focuses on 
a relationship with family, friends, or work environment, and so on. And this morning, I suspect, we are going to find the ninth commandment a little uncomfortable. It will challenge us. I suspect it will challenge us deeply. We will feel a little unnerved. But that's what Scripture does. God speaks from its pages into our lives and he challenges us, but also equips and encourages us and strengthens us as we engage with him. And if you were with us last Sunday, I said to you, imagine having a conversation with a good friend and you have a major decision to make. And after you suggest to your friend what the dilemma is and what you're expecting as God leads and guides and directs you, and after the conversation goes to one level after another, your friend says to you, what is it you want out of life? And you may remember I said that's a great question. But it may not be the most important question. Perhaps the question that belongs one level up is this, not so much what do you want, but who will you be? Who are you becoming in your relationship with God? Is He refining and molding and shaping you? Or is your faith amount to attendance on Sunday morning and then stops right there? Well, this command will, will challenge us to apply God's word to our life, be genuine in our prayer, develop a deep abiding faith in him because it highlights for us through our behavior who we are and who we are becoming. Now notice how it begins. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Earlier this week, I received an email that I thought was relatively funny, and I thought, I think it will work to share it on Sunday morning. And this is what it said. When I was little, my mom used to feed me alphabet soup, claiming I loved it. I didn't really. She was just putting words in my mouth. I thought it was a little funnier than that, but that's okay. We understand what's been said and we smile. Of course we do. But my reason for sharing it was this, that it sums up rather nicely the ninth commandment, the words in our mouth. And when God begins to deal with a speech, and he begins to challenge us on what we say and how we say it, He really is beginning to say, who are you and who are you becoming? I've already mentioned that in giving us the commandments, God gives them to us to mold and shape and fashion us into his likeness. And that was true way back when Moses first received the commandments. But there's another level to it because we don't live back then, but in fact we live post-Pentecost. And by that I mean this, with the birth, life, ministry, death, resurrection of Christ, 
his ascension into heaven and the coming of the Holy Spirit, God hasn't simply given us the Ten Commandments, but he has moved it to a whole new level by giving to us the indwelling, enabling, and power of God the Holy Spirit. And he writes his commandments on the tablets of our hearts. Prophesied way back in the Old Testament has now come to fruition for us. And as we engage with the commandments and apply them, we instinctively see the sense in them. We recognize the necessity of working them out day by day by day. The Apostle Paul, in fact, in reflecting on what it means to live out our faith, says these words in Ephesians. He said, you are taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. Speak truthfully. And here is the Apostle Paul getting down to the nuts and bolts of day-to-day living, relationships with husband and wife, children, parents, grandparents, our working environment, how we interact with folks in our neighborhood. And we know that truthfulness matters. Character, integrity, moral standards matter. You remember some weeks ago when we were looking at you shall not take the Lord's name in vain? And I mentioned the law courts and their judicial system. And I said, whenever you appear as a witness for prosecution or defense, you may well be asked to take this oath. Do you swear that the testimony you give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. And as a society and a culture and a nation, we take that seriously. Not only in our judicial system, but in our interaction with others. How we live out our life day by day. We do so with integrity and character. We do so truthfully. And that's what it means to take the ninth commandment and apply it to live it out. Truthfulness and truth-telling matters. It matters in business. It matters in education. And as a society, we know that the use of the tongue is crucially important. Crucially important. Not only does Paul mention it, but James, in writing his epistle, he mentions it as well. And James writes this, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire when the tongue is misused. 
James goes on, when the, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing, my brothers. This should not be. This should not be. It is a sobering thought to engage with the ninth commandment. Seek to apply it. Hold it up as a mirror to our own lives and ask, Father, who am I and who am I becoming when I ignore this commandment? Think of the damage that is done when we misuse our speech and our tongue. Think of the sins of dishonesty, unkindness, flattery, impurity, blasphemy, pride, criticism, exaggeration, temper, greed, slander, boasting, and many others. The use of the tongue. How many of us remember a moment, perhaps, when a teacher at school, a parent at home, said to you in one form or another, you're nothing and you will never amount to anything. Wow, don't those words last a long time. And here in the ninth commandment, God is reminding us to be ever so careful with what we say, how we say it, the damage that is done when we misuse it. And sometimes the misuse of the tongue, not speaking truthfully the whole truth and nothing but the truth, often comes out of the most innocuous conversations when temptation becomes attractive, enticing. And in that insidious moment, we move from casual conversation, cross the line, and assassinate someone's character. And it often begins like this. Now, have you heard what's been said about Sam? Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but this is what they're saying. And in that moment, when we don't hold to the truth, we cross the line to speculation and gossip and rumor. And why do we do such a thing? We do such a thing because we then have a captive audience. People are listening in. They're leaning in. You have information no one else has. 
You're important. You're a somebody. People are looking up to you. They're paying attention. You feel important. And that's exactly what sin does. It makes you feel large and in charge. That you're a person of significance. And that you can determine and orchestrate. And in this case, information and so-called truth. And very slowly, subtly, silently, the erosion continues. And somehow we justify it by saying, well, I don't know if it's true or not. Well, if it's not, what on earth are you doing by repeating it? That's what's going on right here in the Ninth Commandment. The Apostle Paul put off the old self. That's how you once lived. That's not who you are now. Who are you becoming? Character, integrity matters. And here is God saying to the ancient Israelites and saying to us in a 21st century setting, please, please, please be careful. Did you think that James was exaggerating when he talked about the tongue setting our character on fire? Did you think he was using hyperbole? James, the most realistic of all epistles, is saying, be careful. Don't go down that road. Be careful. Now, if I have suitably offended you this morning, I'm probably about to do so again. And this may make us uncomfortable. And I apply it to myself in the course of the week ever before I apply it on Sunday morning. And just about a year ago, we touched on a similar subject when I said that as a culture and a society, political commentators, those who look at society and its development, will say that we are now living in a day and age that animosity and hatred is dividing us as a nation, often over politics, what can we do? Do we simply sit back and say, isn't it terrible? Isn't it awful? We've never been as divided as this. The animosity, the personal loathing, the hatred is at a record level. Isn't it awful? Or do we find ourselves not only disagreeing with those who don't agree with us politically and socially, do we find ourselves crossing that line from disagreement to dislike, to hatred, to animosity, of no longer listening, no longer engaging, no longer willing to do the hard work of relationship building, of genuinely listening, of praying. Before we disagree, Or do we look for a reason to dislike, disagree, then hate? Let me ask you, 
Are you a follower of Christ who seeks to live out your faith day by day, equipped and encouraged on Sunday morning? Or are you simply a person who attends church and goes home and it makes no difference? Who are we becoming as individuals, as a nation? Are we men and women of genuine love and character and integrity? People who care and prayer and want to make a difference? Or do we so quickly misuse the tongue to characterize and criticize and hate? Now please hear me, I am not asking you to give up deeply held political opinion. I'm not. What I'm asking you to do is to take that understanding and apply it with grace and love and care and prayer and let the gospel impact you first before you begin to express your opinion. That's the hard work of living out our faith. Now having said all of that, We've spent the bulk of the morning looking at the challenge of the ninth commandment, the misuse of the tongue. So let me try, as we wrap things up, to look at the positive side as well. And the positive side of what we see and how we see it is this. Think of the number of times When someone has said to someone else, I love you. I care for you. I'm praying for you. Is there anything I can do to help? And when someone's at their lowest ebb, boy, does that make a difference. When someone from Switch turns up and says to someone involved in human trafficking, we can help. Things can change. It doesn't have to be this way. When we put off the old self and we get alongside someone in need and put our arm around them and say, I'm sorry for what I said. I was being a jerk. Please forgive me. Let me start again. What a difference that makes. When you're willing to live out the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God, what a difference that makes. What a difference it makes for the student in class who has failed an exam, for the teacher to get alongside, quietly, gently say to that student, I see something in you that will mean... In the weeks and months ahead, if you study and prepare, I think you can do this. I know this exam result wasn't good, but I think you've got it. I believe in you. I'll be there for you. Let's meet for 20 minutes after class at some point and walk through that paper and learn and grow. That's what makes the difference. Taking time, making the effort. Encouraging someone with affirmation. Equipping them to grow and develop. The tongue communicates the wonder and grace and the love of God as well. It can be used for good or not. 
And so let me close with, how far have we come in the last nine or ten weeks? You might well say, not as much as I would like, but I know this, God is not finished with me yet. May that be your experience this week as we take this ninth commandment, apply it to our lives, and live in the truth of his love and grace. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the challenge that the commandment has given to us this morning. Father, may it indeed equip us to live out our faith in the week ahead. Help us, please, when the insidious, infectious nature of sin comes in a form of temptation that we find ourselves involved with gossip and speculation and rumor to stand back, to put off the old self and put on the new and to live in the light of your love. Father, thank you for your love for us. Enable us to live for you this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.